name. Yeah, I remember you saying that. That is pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> Dogs are the best. They I love are. my dog. I miss him so much. I don't get to see him anymore. Hopefully mm-hmm. sooner rather than later. But What's that's up? it. We're live. We're good. What's up, Derek? How are you? Good, man. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy. I'm sad we couldn't do this yesterday, but I understand. Beautiful days <laughs> get in the way sometimes. Uh, yeah, today, Monday, Monday. <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with that, especially during quarantine. I think every yeah. day can kind of just be considered Sunday <laughs> Funday if we really want it to. But today on For the Love of Sports, we are breaking down. We have two more divisions to go. So we're bringing on Derek one more time for the AFC North. Mm-hmm. We're excited to break it down What some of the teams like the Browns and the Bengals did. How exciting. I can't wait. And um, then we can see what the Steelers and the, the Ravens did because that's actually exciting and I can't wait. So <laughs> until then, we'll rock and roll. Uh, just a little recap of what happened. The Bengals were the worst last year. The Browns were hyped to all heck and obviously fell flat on their face. The Steelers lost their quarterback, then lost their other quarterback. Then I think at one point lost their other quarterback Yeah, and somehow made it out of, and they were like close to making the playoffs, which was crazy. Yeah, I think they were so, eight and eight. Yeah, it's, which is nuts. They did trade their first round pick. So that's something, but they got Minka Fitzpatrick for the next four years. And then the Ravens, obviously number one seed in the AFC. Mm-hmm. They also kind of fell flat on their face playing the Titans, which was pretty disappointing. But um, overall, what do you think the AFC in general? What were some of those storylines that I, like you really gravitated towards, obviously being in the Cleveland area? What were right. some of the things that you were really looking forward to last year that might not have panned out exactly the way we thought they were? Uh, in terms of like the season? How Just the like season. the, yeah, the division in, as a whole. I mean, I don't think anybody saw Lamar Jackson having the kind of season he did. Um, I liked him a lot when he came out of college and sh- thought he showed promise as a rookie, but for him to win MVP like was totally unexpected. Mm-hmm. So um, that was pretty nuts. I thought the Browns, I didn't think that they would be a playoff team, but I thought that they would at least be 500. Um, the Steelers, I thought, would be a playoff team, but you know, when you lose your quarterback for the mm-hmm. season, you that's like almost totally out of your hands. Yeah. Um, I thought the Bengals would be bad, but I didn't think that, you know, was still having like AJ Green and Andy Dalton and Geno Atkins, like some key pieces that they would be the worst team in the league. So um, this was actually the division I was really the most intrigued by. I mean, like you said, now that I live in Cleveland, that mm-hmm. added to it. But, you know, anytime you, a team has the number one pick, that's really interesting. You want to know what's going to happen. Um, the Browns had a lot of pieces in place, just haven't been able to put it all together. You know, the Steelers are kind of in a weird, like almost purgatory because, mm-hmm. um, you know, Roethlisberger is now the only of the three left out of that 2004 class with Eli retiring and Phillip Rivers going to the Colts. So they're kind of in a weird stage where you're not really sure what, what they're thinking. And then the uh, the Ravens being the one seed, it's like how much more do they have? Mm-hmm. Can they really get better? So this this division definitely was really one of the better storylines to pay attention to, I think. Uh, you, you make a pretty good point. It definitely was. The storylines there were definitely there, which, yeah. was, which made it really interesting uh, yeah. from that standpoint. I mean, right out of the gate, we saw the Ravens just throttle the Dolphins, and it was an absolute mm-hmm. joke. And everyone's like, all right, the Ravens are it, and the Dolphins are, are just the worst. And yeah. <laughs> then the Ravens, they won a couple games, and they lost a couple games, and people were like, I don't know, this looks weird. And then they went on like an incredible tear, where I think yeah. they only lost one more game, and it was like to the Chiefs, if I'm not mistaken, or they lost like one more game the rest of the year, I, which was crazy. I think though. they finished the season 12-0. and 0. They yeah, went 2-2 two was- and two to start, and then just 12-0 and 0 the rest of the way. So like it was nuts. Um, I was really hoping we would get Chiefs Ravens in the yeah. 
AFC championship game, but yeah. unfortunately <laughs> the, the, the Ravens couldn't take it through. And yeah, you're right. I mean, the Steelers, when you lose your quarterback, that's, I mean, unless you are going to pay Andy Dalton $7 million to be an okay backup, you're, you're pretty mm-hmm. much screwed. Like Teddy Bridgewater is an anomaly. Like the, the Eagles and what they're doing doesn't really make sense, especially if you pay your quarterback that much. So it's disappointing, but it is what it is that the Browns will get to the Browns. Um, and of course uh, the Bengals, I didn't think they'd be that bad, but no, they were that bad and they got the number one overall pick. So I guess we'll jump into it. Just some things that happened during the year. They mm-hmm. had a couple guys, leave um and they signed trey waynes yeah <laughs> about trey it. Like, Waynes they, and they didn't McKenzie even try alexander they um, did not even try that hard in the offseason which i guess can't really blame i can't blame the players for wanting to go there who the hell would want to go there right i mean it is kind of funny that it always seemed to me like for a, about a five-year run the Bengals drafted a corner or a safety in the first round like every year and they just never got them to work um they released i don't know if they released her, their free agents now, at least Drake or Patrick and Dark mm-hmm. and Ard were two pieces during that cycle that they um, just didn't pan out. So they bring in Mackenzie Alexander and Trey Waynes from the Vikings. And I don't know. It's just like, did they really get better? I don't know. I didn't really see if they were, they were cheaper options or what, mm-hmm. but. I don't yeah. know. Just it's a weird off season for them. I don't know. Trey Wayne's uh, since that day that I visited you in Columbus and we watched film on him, I never really got why everyone <laughs> loved Trey Wayne so much. Like he wasn't bad, but like I think he yeah. got some pretty damn good money. Like, mm-hmm. you know, twelve to fourteen million dollars a year, maybe not fourteen, but like I think around twelve million dollars a year to yeah. sign with the Bengals, which I don't no, like it doesn't make sense to me, but you need somebody there. And I guess why not? You take them away from a division rival. I guess that helps a little bit, but they're clearly still in rebuild mode. And obviously again, you know, so they got the number one overall pick. They went Joe Burrow quarterback mm. out of LSU. Everyone knows the story. He's from Ohio, Athens, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I don't actually know how close that is to Cincinnati, but I mean, was there, was if Tua was healthy, I think that's the more interesting question. If Tua was healthy, do you think Tua would have won over one overall, or you th- still think they would have went with Burrow? Um, I think they probably would have gone with Tua just because there's more film on him and he's more of a known. Whereas Burrow really came on strong this year, and I think that until he really does put together a couple really good seasons as a pro, everyone's always going to wonder if this year at LSU was an anomaly with uh, having Joe Brady and that just ridiculous wide receiver core, like carrying him. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know though, but I, I think that, you know, Burrow probably was the smart. He definitely was the smart choice. There's really no probably about it. Cause I think the two is maybe a little too fragile for the NFL, but mm-hmm. you know, Burrow was like really the only option that they could have gone. It would have been insane for them to take any other position. So right off the bat, they made their team better. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you kind of had to, obviously we saw Andy Dalton. He has, Mm -hmm. he's been very serviceable during his career. He's taken them to the playoffs, what, like four or five times. And Mm -hmm. for the Bengals, that is just incredible. Granted, they didn't win any of those games. Cause I think, I feel like half of them were played against the Ravens and the Steelers. So they were just playing or the Texans on on Saturday, on those damn Saturday games, but you know, they could just never break through and it is what it is. So Andy Dalton, they appreciate your service and 
he is gone now signing with the Cowboys for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Um, So then, you know, moving on to round two, they went with T Higgins wide receiver in Clemson. I know you were a little higher on him than most and uh, Mm -hmm. you kind of liked him. And I think a lot of people thought this was the perfect spot for him to go like right after the first round and teams were able to start taking some more wide receivers. How do you feel? Cause now they have AJ green on the franchise tag. They have Mm -hmm. John Ross who can just run a straight line. They have Tyler Boyd, who's pretty solid. He's been pretty solid the last couple of years. How does T Higgins fit in and does he, is he a comp to any of those three guys or is he a little bit different? Is he, is he going to take over for one of them as one of them leaves? How do you see him fitting into the offense? I think that he's, you know, actually pretty similar in his game to AJ green. Um, AJ green's more athletic and is just a better all around player. That's why he went like six overall and Higgins went second round. So he's a good player. Um, uh, you know, he's, I think, like 6'4", something like that. So definitely adds a bit of a height factor to them. Um, good red zone option. You know, A.J. Green's getting up there in, in years. I, he's got to be, what, 31, he's, 32 Yeah, I think now? he's 31, yeah. So, you know, and he's been injured quite a bit the past few years. He's definitely missed like three, four games every year. So Higgins will probably be the next guy that they kind of um, bring in that they want to be the franchise receiver. And you know, it makes a lot of sense when you get a franchise quarterback, you want to give him a receiver that he can grow and develop with that he can right off the bat, just develop a rapport with. So I think, I think it was a good pick. I probably, if I were them just considering how bad their offensive line was last year, maybe would have looked to there, but you know, they're thinking long-term and they're probably thinking long-term AJ green isn't going to be there forever. So I think it made sense for them to try and get another weapon. And, you know, like you said, I think I saw that John Ross's fifth year option got declined. Doubt they're going to bring him back. But Tyler Boyd's a really nice option. And I think, you know, him and Higgins could be a pretty solid duo for uh, Joe Burrow to work with. Yeah. And Auden Tate, if I'm not mistaken, he was pretty mm-hmm. solid last year as well when, um, when somebody, I think when Ross went down, maybe, I don't know, somebody right. went down and Auden Tate was able to fill in a little bit there, which I thought was pretty cool. And it's just one of those things, again, you know, give your, you know, he's your franchise quarterback. The goal yeah. is to have him play for you for the next 10 years, 12 years. If, you know, if, if all things, uh, you know, work out, give him a lot of, give him some options at receiver. Yeah. I mean, you have Joe Mixon at running back who should be mm-hmm. there for the next couple of years. We'll see how that turns out. Um, but giving him actual receivers to catch the ball, I think is very important. And yeah, John Ross has, just been terrible. That's a Raiders pick. I don't know how he went to the Bengals. He should absolutely went to the Raiders, a guy that can run straight and fast. Right. But it is what it is. And I think, you know, it's something that could work. And I think it also helps. You know, we've talked about it a lot. Draft guys from these big time schools. I mean, the Clemsons, the Alabamas, the LSUs, you know, you were right. talking about it, that, that offense, it wasn't just Joe Brady. It was the fact that he was surrounded by the best talent. Every single player that was eligible that that left school is signed. The only two are right. Terrence Marshall and um, Jamar Chase. Those are the only two players from the offense yeah, that are not. And they're on. probably going to go first round next year. So, you know, you definitely want to be able to get these guys. Jamar Chase can't speak against Marshall, but. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's 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 pretty ridiculous. So they get T Higgins from Clemson. Just uh, you know, they played against him in the national championship game, so they grab him there. So in the third round, um, they go with Logan Wilson, a linebacker out of Wyoming, sixty fifth pick. I don't really see a reason for someone from Wyoming to go this early, but I I don't know. You tell me. Yeah. Um. Just looking at their draft here. Um. This third round. And then their fourth round pick, Akeem Davis, uh, excuse me, Akeem Davis Gaither. Um, you know, I don't watch a lot of Wyoming games. I watch 
no Appalachian State games, <laughs> maybe unless they're like beating Michigan or something. Yep. But um, I, I didn't really know much about him, so I read a little bit. Um, both actually had really glowing remarks from pretty much everybody in like the scouting community. Um, both are really fast, really instinctual players who can play in space. Um, I think that it, if you look at the way that they kind of drafted these guys and then the guy, uh, Marcus Bailey, the linebacker they got in the seventh round, they're just trying to add a lot of speed to this defense because that's just, you know, how they're going to have to go through the Ravens who just have this multitude of options. And if they get through the Ravens, maybe, maybe it's a little ambitious to be looking this far ahead, but you look at a team like the chiefs who you would have to defend, who've got speed everywhere, even just, um, the Browns, you know, a lot of speed on that team too. So you need these linebackers who can cover in space. So essential picks, not the most sexy picks, but definitely ones that you need. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, linebackers, you know, us being Giants fans, uh, you were always clamoring, just just draft a line, but just draft yeah, one. Let's anybody. do that. And this year they 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 answered they they answered our calls this year by drafting like 14, which I'm cool with. But it's the same <laughs> thing. I mean, if you're gonna be facing a, an offense like the Ravens, you're gonna need linebackers that can go side to side, that can cover mm-hmm. these tight ends. The Steelers, they're gonna run the ball a lot. We know that the Browns should be running the ball a lot with Kareem yeah. Hunt and Nick Chubb. So We'll see, and it, it makes sense. You need that second layer uh, and that second level of the defense to make sure they can run side to side, but also cover some of these tight ends like Njoku, like Mark Andrews in, yeah. in the division. Um, mm-hmm. They also pick up in the fifth round, defensive end out of Notre Dame, Khalid Kareem. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's a he's a defensive end. Um, yeah. Not the best one out of uh, Notre Dame. I think that was uh Aquara, if i'm not yeah. mistaken but so how much do you know i mean i hope you watch a little more notre dame than appalachian state so what can yeah. you tell us about this guy he's a solid player and um you know he's pretty athletic could you know a little bit more limited that's typically what you get when you're in like the fifth round is maybe they're only good at one thing and his is really rushing the passer which obviously is always going to have a market in the nfl but um it will be part of the rotation. Um, they only had 31 sacks last year. It's not even two a game. Um, Carlos Dunlap had nine. I think Sam Hubbard had nine. But after that, there's just a huge drop-off. So you figure somebody who can come in maybe in the fifth round, if this guy can give you five, six sacks a year or something like that in situational, that's really all you're asking for. So he should definitely see some field time pretty early. Yeah, I think, and that would be that be ideal uh, for for him, and you know, hopefully mm-hmm. the Bengals, so they can actually figure out what they have. With the fifth round pick, I mean, if you get any sort, of, if you can get four or five sacks out of that kind of guy, I, yeah. I would call that a, a win, absolutely. And I also noticed, you know, we they generated thirty one sacks and they gave up forty eight, and they didn't mm-hmm. even try to address the offensive line till the sixth round. Yeah. A tackle out of Kansas. You're really, I mean, that's either <laughs> a shot in the dark or that is purely just for depth. I mean, what? Joe Burrow is mobile, but it's mm-hmm. he's not like Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray or anything. Like how, unless I'm missing something, just being behind this offensive line, he's probably not going to go that well this first year. I think that they're really hoping that Jonah Williams, their first round pick out of Alabama last year, who missed the entire season, will be able to really provide a boost. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he'll probably be right tackle. So, you know, if you get a, a bookend that can help alleviate some of the pressure. Um, but I am really surprised that they didn't look to um, 
address the offensive mm-hmm. line until that late. Like I said, um, with T. Higgins, I think that Ezra Cleveland, who ended up going to the Vikings about 15 picks mm-hmm. down the line or something like that, really would have made the most sense for them. Could have had two young offensive tackles to keep your franchise quarterback upright. So it's something that um, I don't think they made any really big moves in free agency with offensive line. So it's probably something that's going to dominate their the theme of their draft classes mm-hmm. a couple of years down the road. Yeah, I think that's kind of uh, it's unfortunate, but we'll see what happens. I mean, I yeah. don't know. I'm I'm I've never so like I've always been a fan of the Browns just because it's always like, oh, whoa, is Browns. But I've always <laughs> kind of hated the Bengals. I guess it's like that Vontez perfect Pac-Man Jones effect. Where I'm just like, yeah. they're kind of assholes. Like, I don't even yeah. like them. they're bad and I don't even want them to win. I kind of want them to stay bad. So I don't know. We'll yeah. see. I guess Joe Burrow is kind of cool, but whatever. I'm not really that worried about it. Yeah, we grew up when they had a lot of really dirty players on mm-hmm. their team, so that kind of just like dominates all the headlines or exactly your stereotype of what the Bengals are like. <laughs> yeah, right. It is. It is. Uh, it's definitely something. Um. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's the uh, that's the Bengals. Moving on to the next team in Ohio, we're going with the Cleveland Browns again. Last year, they did a lot. They were just absolute fan favorite, public yeah. favorite. Everyone was all over them. They got Odell from our Giants. <laughs> yeah. um, the Giants then turned that into like three. Uh, Christina says no just one likes no one the Bengals. I agree I with you, Christina. Um, <laughs> the, the Giants got three defensive starters out of it, which is kind of cool, so I'm not too angry about it. Two and a half, I guess. But mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's just one of those things where everybody thought the Browns were going to be awesome, and then they kind of... Right especially with Baker coming out his first year, he looked great potential yeah. offensive rookie of the year. What, what the hell happened? Like, I know their offensive line wasn't good, but all they, they, they got rid of Kevin Zeitler. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't think getting rid of a right guard should completely decimate your offensive line, but like what you're, you're in Cleveland. I don't know. What do you hear every day? Um, it was kind of just like the perfect shit storm for them, which is, typically how it tends to happen yeah i was um, gonna say that just sounds like a browns tuesday right yeah you know they lost zeitler um which really did end up being a huge huge issue for them um and then they just never had good tackles um they started like greg robinson he's not going to be back after getting caught with like 150 pounds of weed oh, in New i Mexico. forgot about that oh yeah my God. yeah i don't know what's going on with him but he's definitely not going to be around um, and then they had, I think, Chris Hubbard, who was just like an undrafted free agent or something like that. So they really just had a terrible offensive line, and there's no quicker way to just fluster and piss off a quarterback than to get pressure on them. So um, the offensive line was bad. Um, I think a big issue was that Freddie Kitchens was really just in over his head. I kind of like the higher one happening because I like that they were trying to go outside the box with an offensive guy rather than just hire some retread. Um, But it just didn't work. He really, you know, the team was super undisciplined, um, which stems directly from the head coach on that. Like, why didn't they just rehire Greg Williams? Like, why didn't they just keep that staff together? Cause it seemed once they got rid of Hugh Jackson, they had Greg Williams there. The defense looked good. The offense looked good with Freddie kitchens. Like, I don't understand why they couldn't just keep that together. Yeah. Um, Greg Williams was pretty good. I think he did have some mistakes that almost cost them games, but they were able to pull out of it. Um, the one theory that I heard float around was that they really thought that Kitchens was going to be like the next up and coming guy, and they thought that if they didn't make him the head coach, that he would event that he would pretty much be a one and done before mm-hmm. he went somewhere else. So 
I think that they really overestimated Kitchens and his coaching ability and wanted to give him a shot. Um, and it just didn't work out, you know. Weirdly, his play calling changed a lot too. Um, a lot of things, a lot of the plays his uh, first year when he was the offensive coordinator under Williams as the interim coach was called a lot of just quick passes. And it worked because that's what Baker's good at, just getting the ball out of his hands on you know quick, precise throws. And then last year with a really shitty offensive line, they just wanted to gear up and go deep. It just was a total clash of personalities mm-hmm. and personnel, really. Mm-hmm. So it just didn't make any sense. So they just – I think that they realized, like, look, we gave him his year. Baker was only in his second year. It's not like it was a pivotal third or fourth year for him. Now they kind of go in a different direction and get somebody who's more established in Kevin Stefanski. So they're going to have Kevin Stefanski. Also, uh, personalities and personnel, write that down. That's either a book, that's a podcast, <laughs> that's something. So somebody out there, write that down. Personalities and personnel. I really like yeah. that. But Ste- Kevin Stefanski does come in. Um, I assume he's running the offense, but who is the offensive coordinator? I'm, I'm unfamiliar. I'm um, not really sure. Alex Van Pelt, I think, is who it is. He okay. was the um, quarterback's coach for the Packers. So, okay. you know... I, I don't know. I mean, we had to kind of deal with uh, the last one, Ben McAdoo, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. was kind of viewed as a genius. So we'll see if Alex Van Pelt is, you know, a serviceable offensive coordinator or, um, you know, if he looked good it's, for the Aaron yeah. Rodgers. It's going to be Kevin Stefanski's offense, though. I mean, whatever yeah. whatever they're going to do, it might have influence, yeah. but it's definitely going to be Kevin Stefanski's offense and really just that Minnesota Vikings offense at that point, right? Yeah. Just kind of the two tight end let's just run the ball, which is probably yeah. something that's why they, you know, that's why yeah, I think. And you've sense. seen that with how they um, signed Austin Hooper, the tight end and uh, Stefanski comes from the Shanahan coaching tree. So he's really into zone running, which is perfect for having Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. So, you know, I think that there's going to be a little less pressure on Baker this year to have to go out there and throw, you know, 350 yards and four touchdowns every game to get them the win. Yeah. I mean, granted, you do still have Odell. You still have Jarvis Landry. Yeah. So mouths do need to get fed, but I agree right. with you. I think everyone's, no one's complaining about getting fed. If you're winning, you're right. more likely to complain if, if you're losing. And again, you know, we're all rooting for the Browns, man. And, and I do like mm-hmm. it. Did Njoku, did he have his fifth year option? Um, I don't, I think accepted? they, they might've declined it, but I think that the plan is still to sign him. I just okay. don't know if they wanted to pay him that one year as like mm-hmm. a top three tight end. Yeah, that makes sense. That doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. Cause I know that was the same draft as Evan Ingram and I'm yep. pretty sure Jabril peppers. So both yeah, of them, so. yep. Both of them are, are now on the giants and they're mm-hmm. sticking around. So we'll see what happens there. So as you said, yeah, they brought in Austin Hooper. They made a couple other signings. Did they do anything to address the offensive line? In the, free agency? Yes, they signed Jack Conklin um, from Tennessee. Oh, yep, okay. So he's going to go there and play right tackle, which mm-hmm. is his natural position where he's definitely a very, very good player. And they got their left tackle right here with uh, Jedrick Wills in the first mm-hmm. round. 
So there you go. There's there's two fifths of your offensive line. Hopefully yep. that's sticking together. And again, yeah, that makes Baker's life a hell of a lot easier, and it makes his running backs' life a lot easier. So yeah, let's jump right into it. Jedrick Wills. Uh, you know, obviously you and I were very in tune with the offensive linemen coming into this draft because mm-hmm. we were confident the Giants were going to grab one. And I know you said you you were you would have been happy with Thomas Wills mm-hmm. or Werfs, honestly at that point. But I'm, if I'm not mistaken, you had Thomas and wills a little bit higher yeah. than worth so what did you like about wills and how do you think he's going to fit into this offensive line i mean i'm a big fan of pedigree um i'm always really going to give the benefit of the doubt to the kids who are like five-star recruits coming out of high school going into college just because they're the guys that are identified early typically for being much more athletic than the competition and maybe have a little bit more technical upside to them and you know, Wills really falls into that category. Um, he's an absolute mauler as a run blocker. He can get to the second level. And as we were just talking about, this is an offense that really should run through the ground game with how good Nick Chubb is and how good Kareem Hunt is. So I think that right away you get Baker Mayfield, a blindside protector, and you improve the run game. So this was really just a great pick. Um, he played right tackle in college, because two is a lefty, so he was actually manning to his blind side. He, you know, naturally played left tackle all through high school and everything like that. That's where he's going to play. And um, I just heard on the radio the other day that Joe Thomas has already offered to train with him, and Jedrick Wills took it up like immediately. So you got to love the work ethic that he's got. The, you know, he wants to be a really good player, and you know, with having him on one side and Jack Conklin on the other, I think that you should see some points scored on this offense. Yeah. I mean, again, worst comes to worst, just way less sacks and way yeah. less happy feet. Like that's, I think the, the number one thing that uh super worried about first we'll score points after we can ha- just have like a successful, like three plays in a row. I think right, that's pretty important, <laughs> but um, no, I mean, it, it makes sense. And that's awesome. I didn't hear that, um, that Joe Thomas did that. Yeah. So that is fantastic. And again, I mean, if that's some, if there's someone to learn from, I'd say it's, you know, one of the, potentially best left tackles of all time is uh, Mm -hmm. probably a good good place to start so i think that's great and again you know as we said if you can fill out both bookends right and left tackle one through free agency one through your first pick in the draft i think that's a great place to start at least i think it's pretty important so then going on to the second round pick 44 overall grant delpit safety out of lsu Again, so you went Alabama, you went LSU. We, we were talking about before the Bengals, LSU, Clemson in their first couple right. of picks. Delpit was Jamal Adams two years ago, and then last yeah. year fell off. I'm pretty sure he was hurt. I don't really mm-hmm. know. It just kind of looked that way. How happy were the Browns that he fell all the way to 44 when people were talking about him two years ago going in the top 10 potentially? Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, this was just one of my favorite picks of the draft. Um for them to get somebody who had a top 20 talent all the way down at 44, which happened to also be a big position of need for them. It's like the best case scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, they had signed to Marius Randall last year, but they let him go. They brought in Carl Joseph to be the strong safety, but Grant Delpit is your true free safety. And I mean, I, I agree with you and I have read stuff that said that he was injured last year and that he really kind of only played, he, he wasn't as aggressive as he normally is just because he was trying to preserve his body a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, but he can do anything that you want of him on the field. Um, I think he's better playing as your last line of defense, kind of coming down and making plays or reading and trying to um, intercept passes. He's just a real ball hawk. He's got great ball skills. So 
he can do a lot on the field, but I think as somebody who's just in the very back, who's able to kind of just play that center fielder role, he, mm-hmm. that, that's what he does. And, you know, now this, this secondary has some teeth with him, Carl Joseph, Denzel Ward. There's some really good players in this secondary. Yeah. And again, you know, it's, it's building out. Obviously the defensive line is pretty solid already. You have miles Garrett there. So, you know, building out the back end of it is never going to hurt. Cause then you can either, you can either kind of cover um, yourself a little bit with those cover sacks, but then you also, if there is any weaknesses in the middle, you can kind of get rid of that as well. And so moving on to the third, pick, well, again, though, I do think Delpit's a great pick and yeah, I, I'm yeah. very surprised he made it all the way to 44. So kudos to Browns fans. I hope they enjoy that next year. It should be, it should be pretty fun. Hopefully I'm, I'm crossing my fingers. So moving on to the third round pick 88 overall, Jordan Elliott defensive tackle out of Missouri. Mm-hmm. Not going to lie. Don't watch too many Missouri games. So I'm hoping <laughs> that you watched a couple for me. So what can you tell me about this guy? It just kind of goes into what you were saying about how defense just has levels to it. Mm-hmm. And if you have, good coverage. It allows your defensive line to have more opportunities. Well, this is one of those guys that's going to have opportunities. Um, he's in incre- Jordan Elliott is an incredibly athletic defensive tackle, just like has all the raw tools that you want. Um, he just hasn't been able to put it all together consistently, but Missouri's actually done a pretty good job over the last like five years or so of putting some quality defensive linemen into the league. So, mm-hmm. um, and he's not going to be a starter right away. They've got Sheldon Richardson still and uh, Larry Ogunjobi, who they drafted a couple of years ago, who's been coming along pretty nicely. So he's just a good rotational player. He'll come in probably on the more obvious passing downs and provide some pressure up front. And, you know, when you already have a guy like Miles Garrett, who can been averaging double digit sacks every year, that's a really nice tandem. You know, you get pressure from the inside. It flushes them to Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett forces a quarterback to step up. Jordan Elliott's there to mop mm-hmm. up. So um, this was a good pick because, you know, you can always use more pass rushers. Mm-hmm. You can always, always, always <laughs> use more pass rushers. I'm very, very on point with that. I love, uh, love the opportunities there. And then only a couple picks later, they take Jacob Phillips linebacker out of LSU only what nine picks later, it looks mm-hmm. like. So now, um, you know, they've gone to LSU and Alabama and Missouri. Something tells me they like the sec, but yeah. what, uh, what can you tell me about Jacob Phillips going, you know, just in the top 100? He's a good player, although he's probably mostly going to be like a, um, on the field for like run now, like first and second downs. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually led LSU in tackles last year. It wasn't Patrick Queen. It wasn't Del Pitt or any of those other guys. So he's got a real nose for the ball. It's just that he's a little athletically limited. He doesn't ter- uh, change direction well. So mm-hmm. you probably don't want him out there covering tight ends or trying to cover a zone or something like that. But he's a solid player that they needed to get after um, losing Joe Schobert in free agency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Joe Schober, I mean, he was, he was great last year. Um, yeah. I was once, surprised that they yeah. chose not to resign him considering they've got quite a bit of calf space. Yeah. Well, maybe he did. I don't know. Are they changing their defense moving into this new year? Or are they staying? I don't know what they ran before. Um, so I'm just curious. Are they changing it? I can't recall. I can't right. remember if they changed up the defensive mm-hmm. personnel that much. Worth a shot. I wasn't totally sure. Mm-hmm. But again, I mean, if you're getting 
in you know top 100 picks, a linebacker that's going to play two downs, going to be a run stuffing type mm-hmm. of guy. I mean, if he led LSU in tackles, you know their offense put up a lot of points, but that usually means their defense is on the field a mm-hmm. lot too. So there's it's not messing around, which is pretty important. Right. Um, and then Ness, another few short picks later, fourth round pick 115 overall, Harrison Bryant, tight end out of FAU. <laughs> gotta help me. You gotta help me with this one, Derek. Well, uh, who's this guy, and why did he go higher than I think any FAU player should? Um, well, he's the only um, player from a group of five schools. So that's any school that isn't ACC, SEC, Big Ten, Big Twelve, Pac Uh, yeah, Pac Twelve. Got mm-hmm. many teams are for a Pac second. Ten, yeah, old school. <laughs> there we go. Um, so he's the only player to have ever been at a school that wasn't in one of those conferences and win. So that really does show you that he's a pretty talented kid. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the biggest issue with him is he's a little bit of a tweener between like a small tight end and a big wide receiver. Um, But he's got some upside. Um, Florida Atlantic played Ohio State this year and, you know, Ohio State just rolled them. But this kid was like one of the only guys that was able to get open and kind of keep their, um, their offense on Mm -hmm. the field. So, you know, he's, again, not a guy that's going to be asked to contribute right away when you have David Njoku and now Austin Hooper, but it just adds another piece for Baker Mayfield to play with. Tight ends usually get referred to as a quarterback's best friend, so if you can develop some good chemistry with one, they're definitely a very valuable asset. Yeah, 100%. And so with that in mind, I mean, it looks like, again, you know, group of five winning the the Mackey um, award. I'm assuming that's best tight end. I'm going yeah, with the assumption yeah. there. So with, with that, I mean, that's clearly says something. Why? Mm-hmm. Like, wh- like, were his intangibles off the charts? Like, was there something like that he did that just really set him that far apart? Because I'm sure there was a couple pretty good tight ends in the power five conferences. Like, what, what was he doing that, that he brought that much attention to him? Um, I think that, you know, when you're the best player on a school like FAU, mm-hmm. when you're like the only guy who can get open against these, you know, really good linebackers or safeties for Ohio State and other schools like that, that's going to definitely draw mm-hmm. some attention. So he wasn't the first tight end taken in this draft. I no. just think that he provides just an option and a skill set that, you know, the Browns look at and say, maybe we can do something with mm-hmm. this. Yeah. And I mean, again, it doesn't hurt to have an extra tight end at that position, mm-hmm. knowing, as you said, either Njoku, if he got to his fifth year option, got declined, then he's only there for two more years. Mm-hmm. And if it was accepted, then or, or I apologize. If it got declined, he's only there for one more year. If got accepted, he's there for two. Right. Uh, Austin Hooper signed a pretty big deal, uh, which is good, you know, good for him. So we'll, mm-hmm. we'll see, man. I think, you know, having that extra tight end, I know Stefanski, as we said before, loves two end two tight end sets. Yeah. So having a third tight end just to kind of throw in there or see what happens is always doesn't hurt. And again, this was the, 115th pick it's not like you're uh you're, yeah you're guaranteed players at this point so it is what it is mm-hmm. moving on to the fifth round 160 overall nick harris center out of washington right what how you know one thing we spoke about when we talked about the cowboys was the fact that they grabbed the center out of wisconsin if i'm not mistaken best center mm-hmm. it's probably going to start day one is Nick, Nick, that's his name, right? Nick Harris, yeah. is he the kind of guy that is going to come in and start day one, or is he more of a, a depth um, depth pick? Um, I think he's probably more of a depth pick. Uh, the The Browns have a good center in J.C. Treader right now. He's established. He's a veteran. He's very solid. So this is probably a bit more of a depth pick. Um, I don't know how long Treader's contract is for, so maybe that's what they're looking for. But, you know, it was almost like – 
center was like the only position that this team had last year on the offensive line. So you're bringing him in. Maybe this gives you an option to move either Treader or rookie Nick Harris to one of the guard positions. So mm-hmm. um, I think it was a pretty solid pick, you know, just take a flyer on a guy this late. See maybe if you can tool around with him a little bit, if he could be a serviceable uh, starter at one of those guard positions too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if he can start at one of those three positions, that's pretty impressive. Uh, and worst comes to worst, it's a nice depth move. You know, it does, again, it doesn't hurt to have depth. Uh, and to bring on that last port, uh, the seventh pick, pick number 160, 187 overall yeah. in the sixth round, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, starting to lose myself. Donovan Peoples-Jones, wide receiver out of Michigan. Mm-hmm. He was such a high recruit. I know that was something that you yeah. really love. Coming from a blue bud school, coming from a kind of pro style offense, I guess he sucked. I watched a lot of Michigan. Yeah. He was useless, <laughs> but as you and, and our friend, of course, Justin said, like he was completely misused while he was there. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think he has the, what it takes? Do you think he was misused or, or do you think he just sucks? Cause everything I saw, he just kind of sucked. Yeah. I mean, it's, he has like all the uh, measurables you want. I think he's like six five, probably two fifteen, two twenty. Ran four four eight forty. The athleticism is not a question with him. He's just not a, a wide receiver. He is just an incredibly athletic kid playing wide receiver. Um, I th- his recruiting battle kind of came down to Ohio State and Michigan, and he was from Michigan, so he went there um, and. It was, you know, so I followed him. I was really intrigued. I, he was like a top 15 recruit and he just never got better. I mean, you know, for a guy that talented, he never had a 100 yard receiving game at Michigan. Seriously? Three years there. Wow. And he was, you know, maybe not starting, but seeing a lot of snaps as a freshman and everything. So it's it's really weird he never developed he's not a good route runner he drops way too many passes and you know maybe there's a chance that things start to click with him but he's already really behind the curve um but you know they have um odell they have jarvis landry they've got the tight ends we've been talking about uh, a couple other guys like Richard Higgins, who's been a, who just signed a new deal with them, basically to be the number three. So he's got a chance to come in and maybe make a case to be the third or fourth option at receiver. Um, he's not being counted on to come in and really turn the franchise around. So I think it was a pretty solid pick, um, just because if you really can start to tap into that potential, um, you're going to get a hell of a player. Because he can, you know, if it clicks for him, he can really, mm-hmm. the sky's really the limit for him. But worst case scenario, I think, is that you add a little bit of height on the outside to this offense. Um, you know, Odell's, what, 5'10", 5'11". I think Jarvis Landry's probably around the same. I don't mm-hmm. think either of them are over the six-foot barrier. Um, so you don't have a lot of height on the outside of this offense. So he's at least a solid red zone option. But at this point, who knows, you know, how much of an impact he has on the team mm-hmm. um, within the first couple of years. I was going to say, he. I know he returned punts at Michigan. Is that something yeah. that he's probably going to do for the Browns as well? He could definitely have a chance to, um, you know, be the starter for that because that mm-hmm. really does take so much 
that takes advantage of your athleticism mm-hmm. exactly and doesn't require nearly as much technique or anything mm-hmm. like that playing receiver so you know maybe they think that they'll they'll probably give him a couple opportunities out there see what he can do but mm-hmm. i don't know if he ever had any fumbles like i said he had drops so maybe it could be an issue with him ball security but i don't know it's it was definitely one of the more interesting picks of the later rounds yeah, and again, it was one of the later rounds, when 187 overall. So again, at this point, we'll see what happens. As you said, his measurables were insane. Yeah. Coming into college, he was insane. Like a 45 and 45-inch vertical. <laughs> that's ridiculous. But like he couldn't play wide receiver, and if you can't play yeah. wide receiver, that's kind of a problem. So uh, I guess overall, how do you feel, including you know what the Browns did in the in free agency, how do you feel about the, you know, their off season so far and kind of moving forward with the opportunity to, Hey, let's just, let's make it to eight and eight first. Let's go, let's go 500 and then we'll see what happens from there. I mean, I think that they really took a good step towards that. Um, You know, we talked about that the offensive line was pretty much the key issue for them. And they fixed that um, both in the draft and in free agency, you know, they're, They've got the quarterback. They've got two absolutely incredible running backs. They've got two really good wide receivers, some good tight ends. Um, Defensively, the line looks really good. You have a premier elite pass rusher, a shutdown corner in Denzel Ward. I mean, there's like a lot of pieces to this team. And I think that with this draft, they really supplemented it well. And yeah, I think maybe the one area that's really going to struggle for them still will be their linebackers and maybe their number two corner. But if Greedy Williams takes a big step forward, I mean, this team does have a lot in place. I don't think Kevin Stefanski's ever been a head coach before. I think he's only been like positional coaches Mm -hmm. or offensive coordinators. So you never know. But I, again, he's a guy who's going to be very committed to running the ball and with how good these running backs are, I could see the team eclipsing like 2,800, 3,000 yards on the ground because I think that they wow. should they should be that dedicated to running mm-hmm. it. Yeah, 3,000 yards on the ground sounds like a lot. Um, so I'm not going to hold you to that. But yeah, maybe that's a lot. I don't like think 20, yeah. 2,500 on the All ground. Right. If you that, can get think yeah. about it. if you got like Nick Chubb going for like 1,600, 1,500 yards, and then Kareem Hunt backing him up, and then you know you get other guys mm-hmm. third down. That's definitely possible for yeah. them. It's definitely possible, and I'm rooting for him, man. I'm absolutely rooting for them. We'll see what happens. How do you think Baker does? I mean, his rookie year, he was great. He came out with all the swag on planet Earth his second year and could not back it up at all. I mean, there was, you know, the meme was going around with Baker Mayfield losing somebody a fantasy game because he he got negative points in that Monday night game against San Francisco. I mean, how how do you feel like he's going to be in his third year uh, moving forward, especially in a new offense? Yeah. I guess second new offense now. I think that he really has an opportunity to take his game back to where he was as a rookie. Um, you know, he'll have another year of familiarity with Odell. I think at times last year, it was like, it was too forced with mm-hmm. Odell. Like, you know, it should be yeah. so much more organic. Whereas it was like, well, we got this new weapon at receiver. We got to make sure we get him the ball. Whereas, you know, you kind of have to let the situation play out and mm-hmm. go from there. Um, but with this offensive line improving, um, I think that you know he'll have more time in the pocket to go through his reads. I think that um, you know teams are really going to have to respect the run game. They're not going to be able to drop seven guys into coverage, something like that. Um, 
And then I think with Stefanski, you know, there's going to be a lot of play action. And when you do that, it just opens the field up, and especially if it's effective. So, you know, Baker's got a lot of talent. I think last year really just was so much team dysfunction, not just him, that I think, you know, you'll probably see him going back to how he played as a rookie, where I think he threw, what, 28 touchdowns, Mm -hmm. something like that? 27, I I think, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he hits that or like the 30 mark this year. I think that this... There's a lot of really good options for this offense that if, if he doesn't take a step forward this year, it's going to be really concerning. Yes. Yeah. That will be concerning. And we don't want to address that yet. Um, right. Right. Yeah. We, we, we won't quite address that yet. We'll let Christina and uh, all the other Brown fans <laughs> listening have, have a little bit of hope moving into right. the year. So let's move on to the Steelers. Um, the Steelers, as we said, had a weird uh, season with losing Ben Roethlisberger, then having Mason Rudolph, and he sucks. Then they put in Duck, and then he hurt himself, and also sucks. And they put Mason Rudolph back in, and then at one point, I don't think they had anybody playing quarterback. Jalen Samuels might have played more snaps at quarterback in one yeah. game, like and something he, ridiculous. Yeah. So, so <laughs> and they still finished eight and eight. So with all that, you know, you look at how much dysfunction the Browns had. They got seven and nine, which actually is more impressive when you think about it. With all mm-hmm. that dysfunction, they were still seven and yeah. nine. Same thing for the Steelers. Finished eight and eight, uh, got Minka Fitzpatrick for their first round pick. What, mm-hmm. um, in terms of the off season, what did you think the Steelers needed going into the off season and into the draft that they could be looking to to acquire? You know, I don't know how to answer that because I think that that really was going to depend on where they decided they wanted to take their franchise. Um, mm-hmm. I think with losing Roethlisberger. I was really surprised to see them not take a quarterback in this draft. Mm-hmm. And I was really surprised to see them kind of continue to um, draft this year and approach the off season. Like they expect Ben Roethlisberger to be around for a while. And I just don't know how viable of an option that truly is because he's what? 37, 38. He's, yeah. Same as same he's, year as Eli. Yeah, Eli and Phillips. Yeah, 37, class. 38. Yeah. Um, Eli's done. Philip Rivers is on one leg in Indianapolis. <laughs> um, Roethlisberger was out. What was his injury? Uh, he, he did something to his arm, almost like Tommy John's, I think. Yeah, it was something really I, I weird with his elbow. Toward, like his elbow ligament yeah. or something like that. But, I mean, that's going to be tough to come back from, especially at that age. Their offensive line is solid but not great, and it's going to open them up to a lot of hits. So I was just kind of surprised to see them just be like, yeah, we're – we're going to try and uh, just keep rolling with Roethlisberger and see where he gets us. So it is, it's very weird. Um, As I said, though, they didn't have a first round pick. So, I mean, I think anybody essentially, especially that late, I think it was 18th overall, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. They traded the 18th overall pick for four years of Minka Fitzpatrick. I think mm-hmm. they made the absolutely right showing. And as we saw during the year, he was an animal and it was a lot of fun to watch. But going into the draft, they take Chase Claypool with their first pick. It's the second round pick 49er overall. I know we were talking about tweeners before with tight ends. He's kind of a tweener on the other side. He's more of a tweener towards the wide receiver side. Right. How do you see him? I know I saw the um, notification about Juju coming out recently that this they're apparently insiders at the Steelers don't think he's going to be resigned because after mm. last year, which is weird to me considering he had nobody throwing him the ball, but yeah. maybe they know more than I do. I mean, how do you think Chase Claypool um, from Notre Dame is going to fit into this offense? Um, Claypool is actually almost similar to Juju. Um, they're very similar size, kind of like that six, two range, you know, mid four, four. So they have really good speed. 
Um, and just a big bodied receiver who can kind of get past the defense a little bit and will make plays. So you kind of get another guy like that. I guess it would make sense that if Juju is saying, or, Mm -hmm. you know, there are people out there saying he probably won't be re-signed. You get a guy that's very similar to them for some continuity in the offense. But um, I don't know. I mean, you know, if you take Claypool, who I like Juju coming out of uh, college. I thought mm-hmm. he for sure he was going to be a first round pick. He ended up going second round. You know, after that, I don't. I, there's not a lot of great options on this team at the wide receiver. There's still James Washington, but mm-hmm. kind of just like a small, mm-hmm. poor man's Tyreek Hill goes down the field quickly to try and get deep passes. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Um, Claypool, you know, just. He, I think he can be a good player, but yeah. I don't know. I don't know how much like variety he really adds to the mm. offense here. Yeah, we'll see. I know they're going to, you know, a lot of people thought they were going to take a running back very high. They ended up mm-hmm. taking one in the fourth round because that's what you can do at running backs. But I mean, they have James Conner, they have Jalen Samuel, they have now uh, Anthony McFarlane out of uh, Maryland, which we'll get to in a second. So mm-hmm. they're the Steelers. They're going to run the ball, I think, because they yeah. have a capable quarterback now and people at least have to respect Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. Unlike the la- last year where, you know, Duck, I think, they won that Bills game, if I'm not mistaken, or it was super close. And, and like, they beat the Browns like, last week yeah, of the season. God, that was it was it was ridiculous. <laughs> it was how they how they pulled out what they did. It was very impressive, but it, it yeah. is what it is. So in the second round, Alex Highsmith, outside linebacker. Um, or I apologize, in the third round with 102 mm-hmm. overall. What do you know about Alex Highsmith and what he's going to add? I mean, they're I feel like they breed linebackers in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. So whoever they get, they'll just kind of plug in and it'll be fine yeah i'm realizing looking at my notes now i forgot to add the college um he went okay. to charlotte so oh well. i'm not terribly familiar with him i really didn't know too much about him until after the pick happened and i started looking into it um he was another scouting community darling a guy who you know performed incredibly well beating lower competition mm. um so a lot of people thought it was a pretty solid pick he's kind of like that typical edge rusher and a three four um Mm -hmm. so they needed that because i'm not sure if bud dupree is going to be signing with the team log term um obviously they have tj watt who's should be there for a really long time they should Mm -hmm. pay him any amount of money that he asks for but you know they've never really been able to get a good piece across from him so i think that high smith even if He'll, he'll probably end up being a rotational player along with Dupree, and they're going to just hope that they can continue to develop him into a viable second option because that might give him some more flexibility with cap further down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that would be very helpful. I mean, coming out of Charlotte this early is kind of weird, I'll be honest. I mean, 102, so it's not terribly early, but just seems like a weird... Yeah. I mean, I mean if there was I... a place for him to go, mm-hmm. it makes sense. It's the Steelers. Right. Like, that's... And- and I think the thing, like, you got to remember, like, you know, sometimes these small uh, school kids, they don't get offers out of high school because they just aren't as developed early. Like, th- I, there are so many examples of a kid coming out of, like, um, like Josh Allen, who got drafted by the Jaguars last year, not the Bills quarterback, but the pass rusher. Um, he was, I think, a low three-star coming out of Jersey. Mm-hmm. And you know, how does a guy go like that to the seventh overall pick? He just like didn't hit his growth spur until he was Mm -hmm. 19 years old. You know, it's probably what the same thing happened with this guy is underdeveloped 
small in high school, goes to a school, hits a massive growth spurt, and suddenly he's a really good athlete that's capable of playing in the NFL. So like you said too, you know, the the Steelers are a team that knows how to uh, develop these defensive players. These probably fits that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, lunch lunch pail hard hat mentality that they just love to talk about all the time. Coal mining, baby. Worker. And so, you know, it's kind of like the perfect Steelers pick mm-hmm. for them. Yeah. And I mean, how cool would it have been if you or I hit a growth spurt like when we were 19, <laughs> grew to like 6'5, game behemoths of people? That would have been cool. But instead, here we are. Um, here we talking- are. <laughs> Talking on a Monday, I guess it could be worse. Uh, so then, in as I already said, fourth round, 124 overall, they do go running back, Anthony McFarlane out of Maryland. Mm-hmm. So Maryland was incredible the first, like, three games of the year, and then I don't yeah. think they won. They might have, like, won one game after that. Yeah, I, I think they went over 9 at the end of the year. It was something <laughs> ridiculous like that. I mean, how, how I don't know too much about Maryland running backs. Do you know anything about Anthony McFarlane? Yeah, unfortunately, because this kid absolutely killed Ohio State in 2018. He ran for Ooh. almost 300 yards. Um, Holy shit! Wow. Yeah, he he just went totally off, and it was only on like 19 carries too. Whoa! So, oh, that was the game they went for two points and they missed it, yep, right? Oh, yep. terrible. So close, so close. <laughs> um, but he's a really, really solid combination of size and speed. I think he ran the low four fives. Um. It's like 5'11", the 220, good size running back. Um, he had a massive drop-off in production this year, though. And mm-hmm. you know, I think a lot of it just has to be the coaching turnover. Didn't allow for the continuity. The offense wasn't quite the same, mm-hmm. and he just didn't really get the same kind of opportunities. Um, he can be a really good um like lightning to James Conner's thunder, I think. Uh, I think they also have... Benny Snell from Kentucky, mm-hmm. but yeah. you know, he was a small kind of slower plotting running back. I don't think he's got much of a future in the NFL. So mm-hmm. McFarland's, you know, kind of just a nice second option to Connor, a little bit more change of pace, capable of catching the ball out of the backfield. So just adds another little mm-hmm. element to the offense. Yeah. And I think Connor's, he was a third round pick. So his contract has mm-hmm. to be coming up. I mean, I think right. if I'm not and mistaken, he's it, it, yeah, he's been injured last year most of last year he was on and off injured all year pretty mm-hmm. sure this is his contract year uh yeah. so it wouldn't it would make sense that they're not going to want to they saw what happened with levy on bell and he james connor wasn't that good they can pretty much plug and play running backs there in pittsburgh mm-hmm. they have something figured out and so with their last three picks uh fourth round 135 overall kevin dotson guard out of louisiana uh sixth round pick 198 antoine brooks jr safety out of maryland and mm-hmm. seventh round, 232 overall, Carlos Davis, defensive tackle out of Nebraska. Anything about these guys? Are, is, are these depth picks? I mean, we're, we're starting to hit the bottom of the barrel. So how, yeah. are any of these guys going to do too much, you think? Or is it just kind of see what can happen? Probably more depth. Um, you know, you can always have some good offensive linemen. That makes sense. Um, Antoine Brooks Jr. from Maryland. I don't know. I've never really been all that inspired by the um, – secondary play from the Steelers over the past few years. So maybe he challenges some guys back there for, you know, at least mm-hmm. a rotational piece. Um, Carlos Davis, I know a little bit about because um, Ohio State's played Nebraska mm-hmm. every year, pretty much forever. Um, 
and he's a pretty he's a solid option as an interior pass rusher. So you're always looking for some pass rusher. You always want to beef up the trenches. So last three picks, who knows? But just some solid depth, and mm-hmm. you're just hoping maybe one or two of them are able to make a roster. Yeah, something happens there. And if I'm not mistaken, Carlos Davis had a twin brother, Khalil Davis, right? Yeah. Something like that. So that's kind of cool. They both get drafted. I think one in the sixth or fifth, and then Carlos here in the seventh. Uh, not a bad, not a bad spot. So I guess. A weird draft to say the least, uh, not yeah. having that first round pick, not, you know, really is just very, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It didn't really, doesn't really make sense. But again, the Steelers are perennially there. They're very often, they very not often have a losing record. Right. So give them a quarterback and they went, they went eight and nine essentially without a quarterback last year, which doesn't yeah. happen very often. So give them someone capable. I can at least see 10 and six uh, as, as a floor at that point. Right. It's, it's just really weird. I'm just, I just really can't believe that they didn't look to address the quarterback position. Um, yeah, you know, even, even if you, anything. Even if you think that Roethlisberger can play for another few years, I mean, Mason Rudolph sucks, mm-hmm. and Duck Hodges is a nice story, but it's a, yeah, that's all. It's know, a fun it, story. It, like, is he really going to be your quarterback of the future? No, I'm really surprised that like Jacob Eason mm-hmm. didn't sound like he was really in consideration just some of those other quarterbacks that more projects but you know if, again if you think Roethlisberger is going to play another two three years just take them and see if they develop into anything mm-hmm. yeah because again like but then the flip side is last year they got they went eight and eight with Mason Rudolph mm-hmm. and Duck Hodges so right. if that's the floor of again zero competence coming out of the quarterback room I mean that's that says something. I don't know what it says, but it yeah, says that they're like maybe so. building, you know, yeah. just trying to add the final pieces for one last run. We'll see one last run. So we'll go to the first run for the Baltimore Ravens last year. As we said, they killed it. Um, you know, as you said, I think they started two and two and then they didn't lose until the playoffs, which was mm-hmm. insane. Um, they even won RG three, even won that week 17 game, if I'm not mistaken, which yeah. is always fun, always fun to see that happen. And it's just, they they were incredible. Obviously, Lamar Jackson won the MVP from a good rookie season, but no one mm-hmm. saw the, that kind of jump. I, no yeah. one even saw that type of play, let alone that kind of jump in one year, mm-hmm. which is awesome. I'm all for it. So shout out Greg Roman and, and uh, John Harbaugh for what they were able to do with him. I think he's great. I loved him in college. Very, very yeah. happy that he's good in, in the NFL. Um, but moving in, I mean, they had a relatively like very constructed roster. What did they need moving, you know, into the off season after that kind of choke job collapse, whatever you want to call it against the Titans. It's hard for me to even say, because I, right before we started looking at this or recording this, I was looking at um, their game logs from last year. And I mean, you know, they lost to the Titans. I forget what the final score of that game was, but they like were destroying the Titans they had over 530 mm-hmm. yards of offense compared to the Titans who only had like 300, but they had three turnovers. So you mm-hmm. can really just argue that they really beat themselves. So I don't know because there really just wasn't a lot of holes on this roster. And I think that that's really the challenging thing when you're a team drafting this late. It's like, well, like how can we get better? Because, you know, if you draft somebody that you think is going to be good, but they end up not being able to crack a starting position because that's, you know, mm-hmm. you get great play out of there. Well, then you almost like wasted a pick. So it's kind of trying to find like that really sweet middle ground. Um, I mean, I think the Ravens probably had the best draft of any team this year. I mean, just going up and down what they did. It's 
ridiculous. And yeah, you know, they're. I think it's going to be them and the Chiefs for probably the next ten years trying to make it out of the AFC. So hopefully, we get some good games that we were robbed of this year. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm hoping. Uh, and they they've played each other the last two years. I think already mm-hmm. the Chiefs did win both. Um, yeah, and the one two years ago was just ridiculous how the Chiefs ended up winning that game. I think it was like a busted coverage of Mahomes. Yeah. It was ridiculous. And then last year, that was when the Ravens were still kind of teetering on being the best team yeah Yeah. (laughs) teetering on being the best team in the nfl (laughs) and then absolutely blew it up so uh you know i totally agree with you at least those first four picks i would say Mm -hmm. after that i'm not super familiar with everybody but i mean patrick queen jk dobbins justin matabuke and then devin duvernay those are your first four picks again uh i i it's it's fantastic we'll start with patrick queen linebacker out of lsu Mm -hmm. a lot of people had him as the first linebacker coming off the board the chargers then traded up to 23 to take Kenneth Murray, who's also great, but just very confusing. They traded all the way up to 23 to do that. Yeah. I, just, I don't understand it, but it happened. Uh, how do you think Patrick Queen fits into this already relatively dominant Ravens defense, which again, we've, mm-hmm. we kind of forgot they got, um, they franchise tagged, uh, who the heck did they franchise tag? J- Judon, Matthew Judon. Mm-hmm. And they then traded the fourth round draft pick for Calais Campbell to come in and yeah. play on that defensive line too, which is ridiculous. So yeah. how do you think Patrick Queen fits into that second level? Uh, this was one of my favorite picks of the first round. This is just a quintessential Ravens organization pick. Um, you get just a really knowledgeable athletic linebacker who can do a lot of different things. Um, he was really one of the heart and souls of that LSU defense, which struggled early in the year and then just took off at the end of the year. Um, I had given, when we did the mock with Justin, I think I gave the Ravens Kenneth Murray. So kind Mm. of funny that we were just talking about that, but you know, they needed to replace CJ Mosley and Patrick queen, you know, is that perfect guy who's just able to, come down and fill gaps and make plays or can drop into coverage, can cover tight ends and running backs will go sideline to sideline and make plays. So Queens probably going to step into that, you know, on day one and just be an enforcer for this mm-hmm. defense. Yeah. I think it's, it's a great pick. And again, as you said, like they didn't, they didn't really replace CJ Mosley when he left two years ago, but now right. they have the capabilities of doing yeah. it. And he was incredible. And obviously we're not going to say Patrick queen queen is going to be CJ Mosley, but mm-hmm. he can be 75% of what CJ Mosley was. Yeah. I think they're going to be, it's going to be incredible again with what they've already put on the defensive line. So making just kind of shoring up that entire defense. And then the second round, they grow, grab your and my favorite <laughs> running back. Jay. Okay. Dobbins, as Gus, um, as Gus likes to say, I mean, what, like, as you were saying before, you don't, it, you, you're trying to walk that fine line of, Hey, you want to grab someone that's good, but if they're not going to crack that starting lineup, mm-hmm. I think this is that perfect, like right in between, like, yes, yeah. they have Mark Ingram and he knows the offense and he was great last year. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. They had Gus Edwards who out of mm-hmm. Rutgers, if I'm not mistaken, really good for that, you yeah. know, that second running back. And I'll I think fire. they even had someone else, if I'm not mistaken, I'm, that's not coming to the top of my head. Now, Mark Ingram, I think he signed like a three-year deal, which essentially mm-hmm. we all know is a two-year deal in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. So this is pretty much going to be his last year. You're going to have J.K. Dobbins as the backup this year, and he's most likely then just going to be the starting running back the following year. I mean, yeah. again, with as much as they run and what they do on offense, this is the absolute my favorite pick for them even above Patrick Queen because J.K. Dobbins can pretty much do everything it's incredible yeah I mean 
this was probably my favorite pick of the second round. Um, it, it's just so funny how the Ravens decided to go about building their team. Whereas, you know, everybody in the NFL is trying to get a little bit smaller and faster on defense. The Ravens said, nah, screw that. You know what? We're just going to get big and nasty on offense and just run over people. And they averaged 5.1 yards per carry last year with Mark Ingram, who's definitely a very good running back. Then Gus Edwards, who's a solid two. And then, you know, you also got Lamar Jackson, who's just a freak athlete playing quarterback. I mean, Dobbins comes into this and he probably could be averaging over five and a half yards a carry because he's younger than Mark Ingram. He's more explosive. He's shiftier in the open field. He doesn't go down on first contact a lot because guys aren't able to take good tackling angles on him. I mean, this is just a really good pick. He's a nice change of pace from Mark Ingram, who's a little bit more north-south. Mm-hmm. He gives you some more flexibility in terms of like what kind of offensive line scheme you want to run. He needs to um, work on his hands. Um, unfortunately, two drops is what killed Ohio State versus Clemson in the Fiesta Bowl this year. So he needs to work on his receiving ability. But, I mean, you know, the past few years, he's definitely bailed out um, – Haskins, Barrett, or Justin Fields by getting open on third and longs and just finding a way to make mm-hmm. a play. So um, it's a, the Ravens are a team that commits to running the ball, and Dobbins, you know, will back up Mark Ingram for a year or two, and then he should be the guy. And I think once that happens, he's going to be a damn good player. It's it's going to be fun to watch, and I'm, I'm sure he'll do well this year. I mean, I think Lamar Jackson, if he played running back, would have had the sixth most yards for running back rushing last right. year because of what he <laughs> did. And again, just adding that type of threat. Like I know you said he does drop the ball, but I've seen him make enough catches that I'm I'm yeah. confident in his ability right. to do what he does there. So I just think again, th- these first two picks are just insane. How they're just capable of you know filling a hole and then also kind of backfilling one that will be coming open soon. That again, they're going to utilize a lot moving forward this year just because of how many times they run the ball and what they're going to do with the read option and the play action and everything is going to be a lot of fun. So third round pick 71 overall, Justin Matabuke defensive tackle out of Texas Mm A&M. Tell me, tell me a little bit about Justin because I'm not too, too familiar. He's actually pretty similar to the kind of player that we talked about with the Browns and Jordan Elliott. Um, Very good interior pass rusher. He's got the athletic traits that you're looking for, for, you know, a guy who weighs 310, 320, um, can collapse the pocket from right up the middle. And just is a really good, he ran a um, faster 40 time than Baker did. So that's, you know, just kind of what you're bringing to the table. This is already a defensive front with Judon and now again with Calais Campbell that can just terrorize quarterbacks and it's really nice when a defensive front can rely on the interior guys to get pressure as opposed to just getting pressure off the edge like you know if Judon or Calais Campbell is able to get around the corner and it forces Baker or uh, Joe Burrow to step Mm -hmm. up Matabuke can be there to actually uh, complete the play Mm -hmm. rather than, you know, maybe just walking the guard back up a little bit. So Mm -hmm. I think it was, you know, between these first uh, two of these first three picks, you know, the Ravens got some really good playmakers. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it also, it it goes into, you know, their, their identity as a team, as you said, get 
big and nasty on offense. Mm-hmm. They're going to run the ball. They're going to hold the ball a lot on offense. And then they're going to try and beat the shit out of the quarterback yeah. on defense. And I mean, yep. it just makes sense in what they're trying to build and how they're trying to build it. Uh, again, they're going to be a lot of fun to watch next year. So I'm very excited for that. And then in the fourth round, Devin Duvernay out of Texas. Oh, I apologize. The third round, number 92 mm-hmm. overall. He was... I mean, I watch a lot of Texas. I don't think they're back, but I've watched a lot of Texas. And like, <laughs> I don't know how great, because they're wide receivers last year. Uh, Colin Johnson, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. and Lil Jordan Humphreys didn't really, I know Lil Jordan Humphreys just didn't even get drafted last year. Colin yeah. Johnson, I think, got drafted this year. And Boy, now Duvernay, yeah. and now Duvernay's out. I mean, how do you think he fits into this offense? They have Hollywood Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like they signed somebody. I can't remember who they signed in the offseason. Uh, no one's coming to mind, but I mean, how does he fit into this offense now with, um, you know, with Lamar Jackson, understanding they're going to run the ball a lot, but he also threw for over 3000 yards last year as well. Yeah. Duvernay's pretty much just a slot. I shouldn't say just a slot receiver. I have to get over that bias, but um, especially with how the NFL is moving now with spreading the ball around, you're not just a slot receiver. You can be a guy that's really valuable. And, He's very sudden. He's got good speed. He's kind of just like your prototypical slot receiver. So, you know, he can benefit a lot from this offense because with how much they run the ball, it's going to pull those linebackers up towards the line of scrimmage. He's the guy that gets right behind them, and he's got speed to take it to the house. So I think that he'll be a guy that really ends up being valuable and can be um, – Almost like, uh, you know, like Mark Andrews kind of provides that safety valve over the middle. You get a guy like that just at the receiver position. Yeah, I think, again, you know, Mark Andrews, thank you. That was who I was forgetting. He was awesome last year. Um, oh, yeah. Really taking over, yeah, that that tight end, that that kind of run up the seam tight, tight end role. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and hopefully we can see that again next year, but yeah, I'm excited. This offense got better in the first four picks and the defense definitely got better in the yeah. first four picks. So it's, it's just, uh, pretty impressive. And then we'll go round three. They had three third round picks. I clearly had yeah. no idea. Uh, Malik Harrison linebacker. I think fourth. I think they even had an, or no, yeah, yeah, they did have another wow. one. Tyree Phillips then. <laughs> what were they doing? How, and those are all comp picks unless they made a trade. I might've, we might've missed that at some yeah. point. Um, but either way uh, they get Malik Harrison linebacker out of Ohio state mm-hmm. third round 98th overall. Um, you watched enough Ohio state games. How do you think this, he fits in and is he going to be rotational? Is he going to potentially start from day one? How does he fit into the defense? I Malik Harrison is like one of my favorite players from Ohio state. Um, he was like the leader of the defense so you get a really good uh, locker room guy coming in. Um, he probably is a bit more of like a middle linebacker. Um, God, I want to say that they that the Ravens still run a 3-4, so you need a couple guys that can play inside. I don't know if he plays right away, but I think that there's definitely an opportunity with how instinctual he is and just the kind of character he has that he's going to stick around on this team for a while. Um He's definitely a better player coming downhill to like make plays against the run. Um, but he also, I think last year at Ohio State had six and a half sacks. So wow. he's very capable of getting to the quarterback. Um, they really like to use him in a bunch of different ways to get after the quarterback. And, you know, the Ravens are a team that just notoriously has loved to blitz in weird ways. And I think that when you get somebody of his talent that's able to do that, he's definitely going to carve out a little niche for himself on this defense. 
Yeah, I'm sure they'll be able to figure out the 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 Ravens coaching staff. They'll be able to fi- put him in situations that make sense. And again, if it's depth for this year, maybe next year. But I'm sure he'll find his way into the rotation again. Those guys from Ohio State, those, that defense is always just made of monsters. So I'm sure mm-hmm. there's an opportunity to fit him in somewhere. And again, I mean, you know, of the first five picks, you know, we all talked about the Dolphins and all their picks. Of the first five, they were all in the top 100. And that, you mm-hmm. know, for the, considering what essentially was the best team in the regular season last year, just yeah. adding all that really not losing too much. And Calais Campbell, again, um, it's, it's not a bad off season. I th- still no. think we're, we're missing somebody, but then <laughs> in the, wait a second, they had another third round pick. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. I apologize. So this is uh Trey Tyree, 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 Tyree Phillips guard out of Mississippi state at one Oh six overall. And then they're finally were on the fourth round bed. Breedson, Bredesen, mm-hmm. guard out of Michigan. So they went guard, guard with their next two picks. Mm-hmm. Doesn't hurt to have good offense when you're trying to run the ball a thousand times a game, I guess, right? No, and that's exactly it. Um, Breedson's a pretty good run blocker, and Tyree Phillips is too. Um, Mississippi State, you know, now they're going in a different direction with Mike mm-hmm. Leach, but they've been a team that really wants to try and be physical up front and run the ball a lot. So you get two guys that kind of just fall into that philosophy who offer some upside as pass protectors too, but you know, they're definitely better at um, run blocking and Hey, as long as that's what you're building your team to do, that makes Mm -hmm. perfect sense. Yeah. hundred percent. Just build that offensive line and find guys that love to block. (laughs) I think that's all you have to do. Uh, Now moving on to the fifth round, 170 overall, Broderick Washington, defensive tackle out of Texas Tech. Um, Big 12 defensive tackles. I know they already took one in Justin Matabuke, but I mean, Texas Tech, uh, I, I don't know. What do you What do you think he adds to uh, to the Ravens' defense next year and beyond? I think he's more just depth player. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know too much about him, but, you know, like you said, Big 12 really hasn't produced a lot of high-caliber defensive players over the last few years. Um Maybe it's just a situation where they just like what they see um, in terms of like measurables and say, we can work with this guy. Yeah. See what happens. I mean, it doesn't hurt again, Mm -hmm. defensive line help, uh, as you're saying with offensive line help, it never hurts to have depth there. Uh, And then grab another wide receiver out of SMU, James. Proche, I think. Proche. That sounds about right. Yeah. He was somebody that I saw would probably go more like fourth round. Um, I think he's also more of a slot receiver. So you double up on that position. Um, But again, I just don't think that outside of Hollywood Brown, they have a lot of options on the outside. So maybe would have liked to have seen them go with a little big, bigger of a receiver, Mm -hmm. but Christ, we're splitting hairs at this yeah, point. Exactly. You know, when talking about their draft class, considering what they were capable of doing last year, I mean, I don't know. One thing about Hollywood Brown, he's like no bigger than you or I. Yeah, he's probably three yeah. times as fast. But I yeah. mean, we already saw last that he was hurt at Oklahoma. He was hurt last year. Yeah, for you know, he was constantly in and out of the field. And then they played the Rams, and while they beat the hell out of the Rams, Jalen Ramsey towered over him. Yeah, and that just showed like Jalen Ramsey's big, but my God, he's all yeah and i don't know i mean i know he's fast but it's that undersized usually doesn't make it too too long he's probably just gonna be perpetually hurt i hope not but again mm-hmm. just finding more wide receivers definitely and again that's the thing with the way they're run their offense a lot of it's coming off the play action a lot of it you know can you block down the field all right you're blocking mm-hmm. we'll throw you the ball every once in a while so i think you know it's not quite plug and play but i think they'll be just fine and then yeah their 10th pick which is crazy they had 10 picks in the seventh yeah. round 219 overall Geno Stone safety out of Iowa um 
I mean, 219 again, we're kind of mm-hmm. at the bottom of the barrel at this point. Eric Weddle, I mean, he left two years ago. Who was their safety yeah. last year? I don't even know. Not sure. Marlon um, Humphreys? Or is he a cornerback? No, corner. Okay. So they yeah. have Peterson. And, okay. Yeah, I don't even know. All right. Yeah, I'm not sure who. Um, Jimmy I'm, Smith? I'm not sure. No, he's no, corner too. He's corner. How many corners? I don't know. Unfortunately, right. I'm not familiar it's all with good. all 32 teams' depth charts. You're but, terrible, um, <laughs> Derek. Why do I have you on here? But um, Geno Stone's a pretty damn good player. He was one of the better safeties in the Big Ten last year. I think he's only got like some limited athleticism, but he's a really instinctual player. Um, probably makes the team more as a special teams guy, but I think that he'll be the kind of guy that's really welcomed, um, even if he's not seeing a lot of playing time, helping the team out um, just in other ways. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's again, seventh round. Yeah. You're looking for a guy who maybe can do one thing really well. And if he even makes the team just as a special teams gunner, perfect. It's worth it. Yep, the pick was worth it. So, I mean, overall, uh, as you've already been saying, and as we've been kind of fawning over it, uh, we're pretty confident the Ravens had a, damn good draft considering especially those first five picks i'd say and then six Mm -hmm. and seven were both run blocking guards in the run most run heavy offense so even if they don't pan out they at least the direction they went makes sense yeah i mean seems like we like their draft so in terms of the entire division how do you see things shaking out next year um and I guess, you know, if we're we're going to rank them, you know, who you think comes out. Now we have that extra wild card spot. If you think either of the other two or three teams can grab one of those. How do you think mm-hmm. this thing plays out next year? Um, I mean, it's going to be really hard to unseat the Ravens, obviously. That's just a team that's so well constructed from top to bottom. They're so well coached. John Harbaugh is just an incredible coach. They've got a really off um interesting mind at offensive coordinator who knows how to stress defenses in different ways it's not like you know week in week out this is what we want to do they just attack offense they just attack defenses depending on what their weakness is they don't say we have to do this this and this this week whatever's going to be the most effective so um i don't see a team unseating the ravens right now barring like a catastrophic injury which you know, I'm going to say the name of somebody. Yeah, we don't have to. We um, all can kind of see it coming. If you run the ball that much, things yeah. are going to potentially happen. So we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll bite our tongues there. But uh, so Ravens, obviously number one, how do you, I guess it's more, how do you see the, the other two spots? I assume the Bengals will still be the worst team in the division, but the Steelers mm-hmm. and Browns, how do you feel like they shake out? And do you think either or both of them have a shot at one of those three wild card spots? For the Steelers, I think it's going to rely on, um, you know, how is Ben healthy and is there enough options at the skill positions on offense to really um, generate mm-hmm. some points? You know, if Juju took a step back after seeing a lot of number one corners, um, mm-hmm. maybe he's not fit for that. So, you know, if that's the case and um, Chase Claypool can't come in and make a big impact, you know, it could stifle a little bit. I still think that they're a team that's going to be determined to run the ball quite a bit, but if you're playing from behind, you can't run the ball. Um, I think the defense still has some pieces, you know. Like, have the Steelers ever been bad in our lifetime? I honestly can't remember like a time they were under 500. I'm sure it's happened in the last 28 years, but like off the top of my head, I can't really think of a time where it was at least prolonged, where it was two or three years in a row or anything, so. You know, they're Mike Tomlin's a 
really damn good head coach. Roethlisberger, as much as I dislike him, is a good quarterback who just seems to pull magic out of his ass and make things happen. So um, I could see them. Um, I, it's going to be tough because I really think that the, that they're really going to have to um, worry about like the AFC South because mm-hmm. I think that there's a really good chance that the Colts, Texans, and um, Titans all make it from that division. And then I also really wouldn't be surprised if a team was able to come out of the AFC West. Um, mm-hmm. Like if maybe the Raiders put enough together or if Drew Locke can take a big step forward with the Broncos with those receiving mm-hmm. threats now. Um, you know, there's going to – or hell, even if the Patriots somehow yeah. continue this run with um, – Jared Stidham. Stidham. Yeah, Jared Stidham. You know, it's, it's going to be a lot of – um, even in their own division, the Browns really made some moves that could shake things up a little bit. Um, I really like what they did with the offensive line. Anybody who watched them last year could tell you that that was the biggest hindrance to the team was that, you know, when you when you throw off the timing, it just gets the whole mm-hmm. offense out of whack. So, you know, I think that um, if they're a team, if the Browns are a team that commit to running the ball a lot and Baker's able to you know, work a lot of play action off of that, that it can be a really good offense. You want to see the defense become a bit more consistent. So they're going to have some challenges next year. But, you know, and then the Bengals, I don't know. They're probably a team that they're trying to get to like four or five wins next Mm -hmm. year, try and double what they had this year. But Mm -hmm. there's, I, I don't, they have too many holes on their roster. So I don't see them competing for the division. Yeah, I think it's obviously the Ravens and then, you know, we'll see what happens with the Steelers and same thing with the Browns. Uh, I want mm-hmm. the Browns to be good. I think, as you <laughs> said, they they addressed the most necessary part of what was bad about them last year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you bring in two starters on the offensive line, you draft another guy that could either be a, a guard or a center potentially and, you know, add some depth. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping, I think this year it's unfortunate that there's probably not going to be too much in terms of training camp or anything. So yeah. we'll see what happens there and kind of how everyone meshes. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Browns don't really get that time in the beginning of the year, but finally figure out about halfway through and by that time it might be a little too late, but yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I'm excited, but Derek, this was awesome. Thank you so much. Breaking down the draft. I know we love the draft. So this was a lot of fun. <laughs> AFC North. Appreciate your time today, man. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, dude.